looking into the future. We're looking into the future. We're looking into the future. The goats are milked night and morning, and each milking takes an hour and a half. It's not about you know what they do. It's about how we stop them. But what about we? What we do, and that's the focus I'm going to put on my team throughout the season. Is you know let's stress about what we can do and how we can affect them. Because if we play to the levels that we can, like shown on Saturday, then we'll be a match for anyone. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. This will be our second preview show where we preview the match between the Vancouver Whitecaps and Chivas USA. Just a a quick reminder too, uh, for people that are looking to watch that match, it'll be not on TSN, it's going to be on CTV2. So in this episode, like I said, we'll be talking about Chivas. I want to introduce my guest right off the bat. We have, from last week, Aaron Campbell. Hello. Nice to be back. And also now, first time appearing on the preview show, international playboy, Jay Duke. Hello, everybody. Good to have you aboard. Before we dive into the Chivas match, you, we haven't had you on, obviously, since the opening kick. What were you guys' initial thoughts about that? Like, you guys were in the stands. What was the feeling during the first half? How did it go? Like, were you worried about that they didn't finish their chances? Second half, obviously, they uh, big barrage of goals. Well, I, I mean, hard, hard to complain about uh, what we what we got to see there. I, I will say I actually missed it live, which was terrible, but I did get to, I watched it, uh, I was out of town, so I watched it uh, live, and then I watched it again, uh, but I watched the New York broadcast, and it was kind of unique here in their perspective on things as well, because they seemed to think that New York kind of controlled the first little bit of it. I don't know if I saw it quite that way. It looked like the whole game, uh, New York never really created anything. So the fact that, that the Whitecaps were able, to, were able to come out so strong, I know it was a little bit shaky getting their feet, figuring everything out, kind of a slow start both ways. But the just the creativity and the entertainment value that you saw there was, was something that I haven't seen in a long time out of the Whitecaps. Eric? Yeah, it's really interesting watching the game. While the game was going on, I thought the Whitecaps controlled the game pretty much from beginning to end. And then when I saw the stats after the game, they only had like 41% possession. But they they jumped out to a lead, so New York is going to try to, you know, they're going to give up a little bit of position that way. Possession, sorry, that way. Yeah, it just felt like when New York had the ball, they couldn't create anything, mostly with Lava in the midfield. It seemed like every time they tried to attack, he was there, he stopped them. Um, even the passing, you know, New York was ahead by well more than 100 passes and just didn't feel that way during the game. It felt like the Whitecaps had control the whole time and they weren't really in danger at well, all. One of the things I noticed, I think, is when New York had the ball, they had it, they were playing it between their back four the whole time and they were really struggling to get anything through the midfield. Whereas when the Whitecaps had it, they would it, they would pick up a ball, an interception or... Uh, they would get the ball turned quick 
they'd move forward. And they were, a lot of the Whitecaps' possession was in the offensive side. So the numbers may not show that the Whitecaps held the ball, but they sure did hold the ball in the more important areas. And, and it, it, was, uh, it was one thing, like last year, they maybe held on to the ball, but it, there wasn't any purpose behind their possession. Absolutely. And there was definitely purpose. Once they got the ball, they would move forward, and th- they were relentless in their attack. And, and it was just a matter of being more direct in their attack with creativity. And I don't know if this is going to continue, and I don't know if it's the players or the coaching, but the one thing that I noticed like dr- was drastically different in this game than the last many years was running. There was so much running. Both There was guys making runs all the time. Somebody had the ball. They were looking forward. There's, there's runs, whether it was Fernandez, whether it was Maddox, whether it was Miller. Somebody was making a run, and if nothing else, they're pulling defenders away. They're opening up space. And the other, the other, on the other side of things, when the ball got turned over, guys like Fernandez, guys like Miller were turning and they were running their tail off to get back and to help put a little bit of pressure on it, which made life easy for those defensive midfielder guys, made life easier for Lava and for Rio Coker and for the defenders because they were pressuring them into so many more passes. There was just tons of room out there for them. Yeah, the running, I mostly noticed on the Fernandez goal, like Maddox... He ran back to get the pass from Kenny, passed the right back, turned, and he sprinted. He sprinted down the wing, got the ball, and he ran, 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 attacked. Saw Fernandez. Fernandez attacked that defender, you know, fake shot first, top corner. But like Jay was saying, they're an attacking team. They're running. They got the players to run. You know, Maddox comes off. Mane comes on later in the game. Run at him. Couple stepovers, too many. But, you know, this is a nice attacking team moving forward. So this, that's the past. We'll look forward to the next game now. But first, before we dive into that, we're going to be let's talk and get to the thoughts of Carl Robinson on what he thinks about Chivas USA. Chivas game coming up on Sunday. Yeah. They got off to a really good start. They, they came back from, from losing a two-goal lead as yeah, well. And yeah. they seem to be playing some really nice attacking football. Yep. I think it's going to be a bit of a battle. It'll be a tough game for us. Every game in this league is very tough. Obviously, you know they got a new coach in charge as well. Um, you know the, the formation they play is a simple 4-4-2 but a lot of the threats come from the wide boys Barrera and uh, Rosales so both top players both good crosses of the ball so you know the three goals have come from a penalty a near post cross and a corner so we've put a lot of focus on defending crosses today you know we know that they've got some big boys in their team so it's not about you know what they do it's about how we stop them but what about we do, what we do and that's the focus I'm going to put on my team throughout the season is you know let's stress about what we can do and how we can affect them because if we play to the levels that we can like shown on Saturday then we'll be a match for anyone So those were the thoughts of Carl Robinson on the Chivas game coming up on the weekend. Now we want to take you to somebody who has a little bit more insight into Chivas, and that's Alicia Rodriguez, the managing editor of the Gold Parade and contributing editor at MLSsoccer.com. Welcome, Alicia. Hi, thanks for having me on. So um, we're going to ask you a few questions about the game itself, but before we even get to the game, you guys had uh, in LA have had a, quite a bit of an off-season. We'll talk about the off-field story first. Where does it stand now? Can you give us a bit of an update when it comes to the team, including potential owners, location in L.A., and what possible rebranding do you think is going to happen? Yeah, well, like you said, it's been a pretty eventful off-season uh, for Chivas USA. Uh, just last month, they um, 
they were bought by the league. They bought the, the team back from the uh, former owners, um, Jorge Vergara and his wife. And, you know, the, the from the very first moment that they announced the, this obviously bombshell piece of news, uh, they said that the league said that the team is going to remain in L.A. regardless of who the new owner is, um, and that they're, they're in conversation with several um, prospective owners uh, since the original news came out, there's been more reports that um, there have actually been more uh, potential owners who've uh, contacted the league to express their interest. So it appears that this is going to be a you know a process where the league's going to see which owner is you know probably going to be a combination of being able to uh, spend the most money, uh, be the most committed, because that was obviously one of the big problems with the former owners was that they just weren't very committed to the team. And it certainly showed in the product on and off the field. Um, you know, so, so it looks like the team is, is set to stay. Uh, like you said, they're going to change names. There's been a lot of talk back and forth about what the brand will be, but at this point it's pretty much up in the air. I mean, it, it's definitely not going to have Chivas in it whatsoever. I think it's safe to say that it's going to have, uh, most likely going to have Los Angeles in the name one way or another. But beyond that, it's, it's really unclear at this point what the, what the brand's going to be. Um, you know, heading uh, beyond the season. Well, where do you think the location, do you think they'll still play at the uh, Home Depot Center, or do you think they'll move on from that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, they have said that the it is possible that they may stay in the Galaxy Stadium beyond uh, the season. Um, I think the fans of, of CSUSA would really like them to leave, even if they're not in, you know, sort of a permanent stadium. I think just getting out of that uh, stadium, which is a nice venue, don't get me wrong, but just being in the same venue that is owned by the Galaxy uh, for, for the team's entire history, you know, it's something that um, kind of hangs over the head of the team, And but that being said, it, it looks like, you know, there's, there's at least a 50% shot that they're going to stay uh, even with the new owners into next season, so we'll just have to wait and see on that front. You mentioned that the ownership took over about, uh, the, I'm sorry, the MLS took over about a month ago. Before that, did the ownership issues have an effect on the on-field product, or do you think the whoever was in charge of the you know personnel was able to keep the two things separate? Oh, no, there's no question that the uh, previous owners had played a role in, in the on-field product. I mean, I think just based on the fact that, um, you know, this team didn't make the playoffs last four seasons, and, you know, one of the things about Chivas USA that, they obviously are the butt of a lot of jokes in MLS. And, you know, I think <laughs> to some extent you could, I can understand why um, in a lot of respects. But, um, you know, there's this re- reputation that the team has that they've always been terrible, which isn't true. They they made the playoffs for four years straight years from 2006 to 2009. However, the last four years they have not made the playoffs and they've been really well outside of the playoff picture uh, those four seasons. So I think a lot of new fans to the league have kind of – don't really know that, uh, you know, prior history. Um, but, you know, you can see it from the fact that last season uh, when the, the former owner took over full control of the team, they had by far the lowest payroll in the league, I mean, a full half million lower than uh, the rest of the, you know, the, the next lowest team, which in MLS terms is a massive amount. You know, and there was no marketing put on the team. So, I mean, one of the problems that they've had is the, the lack of, uh, you know, strong attendance numbers uh, in the last season, season and a half. And, um, you know, the fact that they didn't really do any outreach in the community, marketing, I mean, no real public presence, uh, no investment in, in the infrastructure of the team, obviously uh, led to, you know, the really dire consequences last year. And I, I think last year was really a, 
absolutely terrible year. And, um, you know, if, if that represents rock bottom, then, then things are definitely looking up for this team because they, I don't think they really could have gotten much lower. Coming into the present of this season, how has uh, the new coach, Wilmer uh, Cabrera, had, how has he built the team? And who are, who are some of the major additions to the team that are going to be helping them win this year? Yeah, so they got a new coach, like you said, uh, Cabrera. So he's, you know, he's bringing in his own players, going through a process of trying to bring in, you know, his guys and, and guys that he thinks can contribute. And I think it's going to be a, a work in progress, uh, no doubt. But, um, you know, it looks like he's trying to build a more balanced team. I think, um, you know, a team with much more experience. That was one of the big problems with the team last year, because they just did not have MLS experience. And um, he's doing a much better job of that, uh, bringing in players, most of whom have MLS experience, but even those who are coming from abroad tend to have a, a great deal of, of experience in, in other countries. So and that's been promising, certainly. Um, and among the, the, the players that he's brought in, um, I mean, especially in the, the first game of the season uh, last Sunday, I think Mario Rosales, he used to be up in Seattle. I mean, I think he has been sort of the centerpiece in a lot of respects for this rebuilding project this season, and he had a really good game on, on Sunday. Augustin Pelletieri, he's an Argentine uh, holding uh, midfielder. I think he had a phenomenal game last week, and you know, he's somebody who has a lot of experience. He was a captain with his teams in, in Argentina. You know, there's, there's a whole bunch of guys. Bofo Batista, he's the one that's sort of the older genes man who was brought in. But even he's being incorporated early on. Um, and I think Cabrera is really trying to give him a, a, a fair shot to see if he can contribute, uh, despite the fact that he was out of the league for, or out of football for quite some time prior to uh, joining Chivas USA. But you know, it looks like there's new players all over the field, and he's really trying to build, I think, a balanced team, you know, both on the attack and on defense. Off the pitch, have you noticed anything that uh, Cabrera has done to establish a different culture uh, and maybe to install a winning habit for this team? Yeah, I mean, I think the big um, mantra that I heard, you know, I was in the locker room after the game on Sunday. The, the big thing that I noticed was that everyone was saying, you know, we're not looking for the past, we're looking to the future. This is the start of the new era. This is, you know, we're, we're not really concerned with what happened last year or in years past. Again, I think for a team that had so many struggles last year, that's absolutely the right attitude to take. It's, they're not going to get much comfort from whatever came, you know, before, but if they're just looking ahead, then they can feel like they have a clean slate, and frankly, they do, and start from there. And, you know, it's been one game, but one game... It seems to have paid off, at least in you know in the first match so far. Um, were there any surprises that you saw uh, from the, their opening match against Chicago, like the way they played or anything like that? Yeah, you know, one player I was really impressed with was Leandro Barrera, and he's another Argentine. He's a young younger player. I think he's about 23. Um, he hadn't really played a great deal in the Argentine Primera prior to coming to Chivas, but he had some experience. Um, didn't have a great you know strike rate. Uh, so I was a little bit unsure as to, you know, whether he was really going to be able to hack it in MLS. And, you know, again, with uh, players com- coming from other countries, you never quite know if they're going to be able to, to really slot in right away anyway. And he, he played phenomenally. I really thought he had a, a, a fantastic game. You know, he was really dangerous on the flank. He was putting in great crosses uh, during his entire uh, shift on the, on the field. And set up Thomas McNamara's goal, if I remember correctly, last weekend. So, you know, he was one of those players that I think really stood out. I also think Pelletieri had a really good match, and, you know, he did a lot of the dirty work stuff, but I think he did it really well. So, you know, he's another highlight. But certainly, I mean, it was a win, so, of course, and, you know, for a team that's a start for wins, you sort of think of, you see a lot more good than you do bad, and, again, that's, that's been something that's a little 
Um, the team, uh, in, in, in what I've seen, saw against Chicago, the team seems to play a more direct style than what they did in the past. And, and there's a little bit less of a Mexican influence in, in the club, especially on the roster. I think they only have like two guys uh, on Mexican uh, nationality. Uh, will this be an issue for supporters or are they just looking for, you know, for a winning team at this point? That's a really good question. I mean, I think that there's certainly there's there's people who are you know, somewhat surprisingly, maybe, you know, they are disappointed with the change in ownership. They really had spent, you know, lots of time and breath arguing that this experiment could work and MLS and that sort of thing. And, you know, maybe they're big fans of Chivas de Guadalajara. And so seeing, you know, the that relationship severed, you know, seems to sort of be kind of a sad thing for them. I would say that the, the majority of, of the fans are certainly... They want to see wins. I mean, they just want to see a team that can win, that can be competitive in MLS, that can have the respect of other people, that won't be the butt of jokes all the time. And the playing style, the nationality of the players, um, the ownership, that's not going to be consequential. It's going to be a matter of seeing if that they can you know, really be uh, become a winner and, and be built into a winner for the long term in, in this league. Last year they they started out strongly as well, especially in the in the first part of the season. Everybody was uh, you know on Chelis's bandwagon, or whatever you want to say. Is there anything in this team that you could tells you that this year will be different? And how how do you, how well do you think they will do in this year? Yeah, that's a good question too. I mean, I, I think it is worth noting you know how they started out last season and how quickly it all fell apart. So. You know, again, a, a one game is, is just such a small sample size that you can't really extrapolate much beyond it. I still think they're they're well outside of the playoff picture this season. My hope is that they move up in the standings, which you know they they finished in last place last year. So really, that's that's a pretty a fairly low bar. But you know, you know that in the West in in MLS, it's it's, it's a tough conference. So I mean, I would love it if they could be competitive for the playoffs this year, that they could, you know, really be fighting at the end of the season for a, a chance to make a postseason. But realistically, I think they're going to be outside it. And I think if they just are, you know, increasing their win total, their points total, move up in the standings a little bit, it's, it's going to be a good season for them. For this match against the Whitecaps, what are some of the keys that you're looking for for Chivas to, in order to continue their win streak? I think they have to be really good defensively. Uh, that was a huge question in my mind to the end of the season. Uh, I think Chicago, frankly, did Chivas a few favors uh, coming into that game, and I think that helped their performance. And you know, you know, you can only play the players that are out there on the field, but you know, Chivas played pretty well. But I think that Vancouver is going to present a much tougher test uh, offensively. You know, so I think that it's going to start from there. And then the the attack looked really quite good this last week. So I think if they can continue to sort of do what they did. You know, they should be able to create some good chances and hopefully finish, you know, at least a couple of them. But the big question is going to be defensively. Can they can they have another strong performance, you know, one that will help their the, the offense get enough goals on the board to, to get three points? I mean, I think that's going to be the, the, the top priority there. Finally, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is your prediction for the match between the Chiefs and the, and the Whitecaps? Um, I think it's going to be uh, pretty tight. I'm, I'm going to predict a draw. I think it'll be a one-one draw. Um, I think Vancouver, you know, they they also just had one game, but you know, they looked really quite good in that game. I think both teams are really going to feel that they have a good shot and they're going to be up for it. So I think they're going to split the points. We'll call it a draw. Oh, so th- thanks a lot for joining us. Where can people on Twitter find you online? Sure. Uh, 
my Twitter handle is at Soccer Musings. That's all one word. And, uh, yeah, you can read uh, my stuff about Chivas on the Goat Parade. Perfect. Thanks a lot, Alicia. And that was the managing editor of Goat Parade and a contributing editor at MLSsoccer.com. Thanks a lot, Alicia, again. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. So thank you again, Alicia Rodriguez, for joining us there. Um, so guys, Chivas USA, Vancouver Whitecaps, Whitecaps are going on the road. Last year was a similar situation where they beat a TFC, and some obviously I think this was last year was um you know even TFC was even more shorthanded than what New York was this year. What do you think? They went on the road the following week, went to Houston, they almost won there. You know, Maddox didn't finish off his chance. And that, that ended up in a loss, and then they lost the pre- next week again and on the road. What do you guys think about this year? Robinson has said in training that he's going to play the same way he does on the road as he does at home. I think they are going to play the same way on the road this year. I know last year, Rennie, almost after every road game, said, you know, they're playing the same style as they are home and away, and they weren't. They weren't even close to playing the same style. The lineups were never the same on the road. You know, he mixed things up. I think with all the depth we have, this is the only way this team can play. Right? I don't think if, if they weren't attacking the whole time, I think the players would get lost and not know what to do. Too much standing around. When they know they have to run, they know they have to find open gaps. I, I just see that's how them moving forward. I don't see them playing any other way. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I it's hard to compare this team to last year's team. Completely different you know, coaching style. A lot of different players in that, in that starting eleven. So it's hard to compare the two. So you're going to have to take Robinson at his word that that's what they're going to do. They're going to go out and attack. That's that's probably what we'll see. I think it's a good matchup. It's a good time for this matchup. They were they were really you know build, billing this oh the defending you know New York. They're the defending supporter shield. So you know they're going to be a really good team. Oh we beat them four one. That was so well. This will be another good test to see if they can actually come out and say. This is a team that we should do well against. I know we've had kind of hits and misses with Chivas USA in the past, but on paper, it's a team that we should be able to compete with, home or away. So this should be it. There shouldn't be too much worrying about. Oh, it's not like when you play LA and you have to go. Well, we have to really keep an eye out for that Keen and that Landon Donovan. They got some good players. Kubo, right. Kubo Torres is one of the most exciting guys in the league, but. Um, and he burned us last year too. He burned us last year. Yeah, he's really good. But if they, the Whitecaps have to know and have to think that if they, they just got to go out there and play the game that they know, and they'll do all right. I agree with you there. The the one thing about how you were talking about this, the only way they know how to play, I think they can play like that because there's so like the combination of Lava and Rio Coker. We talked about it earlier. Is so strong in the middle there that those guys are rarely out of position. Labo will hunt people with down with the ball and be able to respond with it. So, you know, I, I know we talked about how the players, everybody was coming back to help them defend. They don't need that that much, as much as they did last year, I think. And, and I think this year they'll be able to push the ball forward as well once they get something. So it, it's almost like, why would you play something different on the road? There's no need to because you're so strong in almost all aspects. Yeah, with Laba, even last week, I noticed how many turnovers he created not even touching the ball. Yeah. Like just running just at pressure. somebody with all pressure, pressure, pressure. You know, Nigel was there picking off passes. Fernandez tracked back, like Jay was saying earlier. 
the midfield is going to be huge for us last year, like we were saying last week. You know, those two are going to dominate some MLS teams this year. Uh, we have a little bit of injury concerns, obviously, this week. It wasn't really a problem last week. Uh, you got Sebastian Fernandez, who seems like sounds like he's going to win MLS goal of the week, which is well-deserved. You got Russell Tybert, who missed a little bit of practice third, Tuesday, a little, missed a little bit Thursday. And then we also have Johnny Lebron, who was on the bench, but obviously he's a strong, uh, you know, good, competent centre-back off the bench. But let's talk about this the, the attackers, like Tybert, Fernandez. Fernandez seems like a better chance to going at this point. That's that's what they've said. What do you guys think of that? Like, Is, is, is there a concern, or do they have enough depth on the bench, I think, right, at this point? Um, if Tybert can't play, um, they can put Pedro Morales right in for him. So they have the depth to put him in. Fernandez can't play. You got Morales waiting to go there. You have Hurtado, who was on the bench last game. You got Salgado, who wasn't even in the 18. Yeah. Right? You can throw him on the bench. You got Mesquita. Mesquita, too, who yeah. And then you also have Manny. Yeah, so, I forgot about yeah. Manny, it's too. In a, in a weird way, I think, actually, uh, I, I hope I hope Tybert's not hurt. I, I know a lot of people, you know, didn't really mention Russell and how he did last week. I, I of, of the four, he was the least mentioned, I think. Of, of the four attackers yeah. up front. But I still really like what he did. Uh, I, I mean, he took that really wicked shot early. He played a few good passes. He pressured well. He ran all over the place like normal. And I think that's one of the things that contributed to why they were able to run that midfield. So in a way, though, if he's injured, it's actually kind of nice because it will solve Robbo's problem with how do I get Morales into that lineup? Because it would be tough to take out any of those front four guys. I... I I've never been, I'm not quite as bad as Michael when it comes to disliking Maddox, but, you know, I haven't, I wouldn't have picked him in my starting 11 last week like you guys. He was great. He, he was awesome. He, and after performance like that, you got to put him out there again and say, you did well, kid. Like, you missed a couple of your chances, but other than that, he did everything that you would ask for. So it'd be tough to take him out. Same thing with Miller. You got a brace. How do you take a guy out of, yeah. uh, after a brace? Fernandez was the man of the match. How do you take him out? So something's got to give. Maybe if Tyra gets injured, you can put Morales in, and uh, maybe be able to be a little bit more precautious than they would exactly if they, yeah. if they didn't have that off the option exactly. off the bench. Let's talk about Chivas a little bit and see about the key matchups. I think you talked about Torres before, Aaron. Yeah, I'm, and, one of my key matchups was Torres versus Demerit and O'Brien, right? Um, last game, Demerit O'Brien, they really stepped up. You know, Benisher was a little shaky at the beginning, and O'Brien really helped him get in position. Torres, he can score. He can score on us almost at will. So that's one of my key matchups. For this game coming up, Torres versus Demerit and O'Brien. Do you have anybody? Yeah, I, I'm just going to say uh, Mauro Rosales. And uh, only reason being is because... Our, he'll be going up against Jordan Harvey. He will be going up against Jordan Harvey. We all know how I feel about that. No, but I, I'm not the hugest Rosales fan. I, I I think he's getting old and his step behind and stuff like that. But his set-piece delivery is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, he can really strike a ball, good at crossing the ball in. And if if... That's the one place that we really gave up. Any of the chances we gave up last game, it was coming in on the from wide areas and crosses into the box. Maybe that's because the middle was so strong, but maybe that was also because there was a lot of room for that kind of thing. So um, my my concern is that they gotta they gotta really keep an eye out for both set pieces. We've never been really good plus minus when it comes to set pieces over our MLS history. 
So I think they got to keep an eye out for that and keep an eye on Rosales. Yeah, and another guy, the the guy on the opposite side of Rosales, uh, Leonardo Barrera, who is uh, also Argentinian. He was the one that actually set up the first goal. He, he it was his cross into the box that the foul was called on, and Torres scored the penalty. And then he's also set up uh, McNamara for his uh, the second goal of the game. So he's going to be a danger too. I think I believe he is a young designated player so he's really and he's on loan from Argentinos junior so he's going to be a, a, a player to look at so in a way it seems like it'll be a similar kind of attack that they will be facing that New York gave to them um, attacking from the wide areas and the midfield is more of a you know workmanlike midfield and we'll see how that falls in another guy that will you know, might prominent be prominent in this lineup is going to be El Bofo. Adolfo Bautista who's a, a, the Mexican striker they had McNamara start next last week and he came on it off the bench I don't know I, he's kind of an older player he hasn't played too much I don't know how much they should be worried about him but he's got the pedigree for sure yeah I even guys scored a lot of goals in his history but uh he's getting a little long in the tooth um I didn't watch uh, all the game I just saw bits and pieces of it so I can't really say how he did specifically. He he wouldn't be the first person that I'd be worried about on on the squad, but I mean, it's certainly a, there's a lot of unknowns out there, uh, and that was kind of the situation last year, especially when it came to Torres. And I mean, people didn't know who he was coming into last season, and he just lit up the league. Uh, he was the only bright spot on that team. So yeah, and for sure, the like we said, like worried about the wide areas. I think the work that the guys like Fernandez and Tiber put in in helping those fullbacks. Especially Fernandez helping out Harvey quite a bit last week. I think it paid dividends in that. That's I think one of the things that cost us so badly. I'm I'm tough on Harvey, but you know last year, like he hasn't had a really uh, a winger playing in front of him that's been you know really solid defensively. So a lot of the time, if if we we have Fernandez there, he might get a little more of that help. Might help him out deal with those attacks down the wide side. Yeah, I'd take the pressure off him. You know, last year. You know, there, like you said, there's nobody helping him. He was kind of on his own out there most of the time. Fernandez tracking back last game is something he hadn't seen in a couple of years in Vancouver. So that's, that's going to be big for Harvey moving forward. So those are our thoughts on the game itself. And now we're going to introduce you to uh, the second straight week of this segment. It's Michael McCall's thoughts on the game in a segment called Trio Time with an appearance by Predicta Pooch. Well, hello there, friends in Radioland. I'm back for another trio time with my faithful companion, Predictapooch. For those of you that never heard the preview show last week, what we do in trio time is look at three aspects or key points or players, basically just a trio of things to look for in Sunday's game between the Whitecaps and Chivas USA. Now for me, one of the keys for the Whitecaps getting the win is for the fullbacks to be really strong. Stephen Betashur and Jordan Harvey need to be tight, they need to be solid and they need to prevent the Chivas players from getting balls crossed into the box. She was like to attack up the wings, they're also really dangerous at set pieces. So those two guys, it's important that they try and close down the wingers and don't allow too many crosses in. And it's also important for Andy O'Brien and Jay Demerick to stand strong in the middle, get their head to things and get that ball cleared. 
tied in with that, David Eistead needs to be strong. Bounce back from that mistake he made last week in letting the goal in. Be really commanding of his box. If he's going to come out for these crosses, he needs to make sure that he gets them. A second key aspect for me is that the Whitecaps really have to take care of Eric Torres. They cannot allow him room in the box. We saw the danger he could do when Chivas came up to BC Place last year, towards the end of the season, got a couple of goals. He's a dangerous guy. It's important that they close him down, and we don't want to see him dance like a robot from 1984, because it's not 1984. So the Whitecaps have to mark him, they have to be solid, they have to watch the runs. And if they can mark him out of the game, I think that really takes so much of Chivas' attacking threat out of the game with it. And my final part of the trio for this week is to look at the physicality. Now, Chivas are certainly nowhere near as physical as they were last year under Shellis, where in the opening games of the season, they were just like kicking people and barging them off their feet left, right and centre. They still do have that physicality. And I think the midfield is going to be a battle. It's like bodies are going to hit the floor. And the Whitecaps need to not just be skillful and flareful in the middle. They really need to kind of put their foot in and take a bit of a commanding presence in the middle. I think it's going to be tight again this week and I'm going for a 2-1 prediction. So let's have a look at what Predictor Pooch is thinking for this week. So far this season he's 1 for 1, so let's see if he can keep up the good work. What we're going to do, we're going to throw 3 balls for him. There's an orange chuck it ball, if he brings that back that's going to be a Shiva's win that he's predicting. There's a yellow snowman Christmas ball, if he brings that back then he's going to go for the draw. And there's a plain old tennis ball. And if he brings that back, he's predicting a Whitecaps win. So let's see what Predictor Pooch says about this week's game. Predictor Pooch, come here boy. So we're going to throw the balls down the hallway and let's see what one he brings back. Remember, it's orange for Chivas, yellow for draw and tennis ball for the Whitecaps. On your marks, Predictor Pooch. Three, two, one, go fetch. Oh, he's going for the ball, and he's got the tennis ball in his mouth, but he's not sure, is he bringing it back? He's dropped the tennis ball, and he's gone for the, he's gone for the Christmas ball. He's now dropped the Christmas ball and go back to the tennis ball, but no, he's brought back the Christmas ball. So a little bit indecisive this week, but Predictor Pooch is going for the draw. So there you have it. Predictor Pooch says, Shivas and the Whitecaps will be a draw. Let's see if he's right. There'll be more trio time next week. Trio. Too loud. Trio. I said that was too I loud. I want a trio and I want one now. So that was Predictor Pooch and Michael. Uh, obviously, Predictor Pooch predicting a draw. But before we get to our own predictions, let's talk about the lineup. What do you guys think about the lineup? Obviously, we talked about earlier the injury concerns. We were thinking about Morales, how to get Morales into the lineup just because of how phenomenal he was in those 25 minutes. First of all, let's, let's start from the back going out. I know he had uh, that horrible goal, but do you, does anybody see Osted being taken out of the lineup at this point? I don't, personally. No, I don't think it's too early. No, I don't see him coming out. And the back line, I think that stays the same unless there's an injury on the way there. Absolutely. Um, we got Bettishore, Demerit, O'Brien, and... Jordan Harvey. Jordan Harvey. How could I forget Jordan Harvey? Uh, so those those are four guys there. Again, holding midfielders, Lava and Rio Coker, they were everybody's raving over them, so no changes there either, right? No. Well, yeah. yeah, you can say this about pretty much all the way up the lineup. Though. Yeah. But yeah. oh, but this is where we come in. Yeah. Now, now, now if the fun begins. The front four, 
We have, last week was Fernandez, Kenny Miller as the number 10 behind Maddox, and then Tybert on the right side. We got a couple guys questionable with injuries. You got Fernandez, you got Tybert, those two guys. Morales is coming in. Where do you guys think, how, how would you put that for? Depending on if the injuries are a concern. I, you'd have to think Fernandez comes back in. It sounds like it was an injury that happened in preseason, so he was. And he played through it. And he played game. through it yeah. last game. So unless there's something happened that made it significantly worse, you'd have to think Fernandez comes back. Kenny Miller scores a brace. You you think Kenny Miller stays? I I think with the injury to to Russell Tiber, it might be a good excuse to hold him back. Because why not if you're going to bring somebody on? And you don't want to aggravate it either, a hamstring. Like yeah, that. so you bring on bring on Morales and, uh, you know, shuffle it around a little. Either have Morales on the right or, you know, we've seen Kenny Miller can play pretty much anywhere you want in those those front positions. So you can move Kenny Miller to the right and have Morales as your number 10. And I, I would find it hard to take out Darren Maddox. That's the only other option that I could see is that you put Miller up top. If Tybert's fit, you play still play him on the right because maybe you, you like that running, that 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 extra effort on the right hand side, and uh, Morales sits in the middle with Kenny Miller up top. That's the only other option I see. But I think Darren Maddox is going to stay in, and I think we'll see uh, Tybert maybe come out because of the injury. Yeah, I see Maddox coming out this game and Mane getting a chance. I think beginning of the season, first few games, I see Robbo switching them game to game, giving them each a chance. You know, Mane was injured in the preseason. He hasn't had many minutes at all. So I see Fernandez, Morales, Mane with Miller up front. Maddox can come in as a sub this game, see how that plays out. Next game, you can always just switch it back. Yeah, the only problem with that is I see, if you take out Maddox, the guy had such a phenomenal game, and it's a game that everybody wants him to play, even though he didn't score the goals. It would. I know they've talked to him about him mentally, like how to, you know, grasp with team effort and everything but if he's does his job and it, and it isn't rewarded with another start i think even no matter what the how they talk to him it could affect him mentally so i think they do keep him on i think manny you can still talk to him and say we still want to work you in slowly you still haven't played that much in the preseason i think i do agree that i think if tybert's injury is enough of a concern i think that he would probably be the one to come out and Morales comes in with Miller, like you said, going in the left or the right. They probably switch back and forth anyways with Fernandez. Yeah. The other one I would see if everybody is healthy and they want to keep Tybert in, maybe they, I know he scored a brace last year, week, but what do you guys think about Miller coming off as the veteran, coming off the bench, letting him, letting him know that we're going to use you, you're going to play about 30, 35 minutes, but we want to reward Maddox. You know, can you be the that you know solid veteran who comes off the bench and so we reward the young guys and they you know they they're still mentally in the game yeah it's possible and and not only that i think one of the things we learned last year is that you gotta maybe limit miller's play over the course of the season now game two is probably not the game that you're going to circle on the calendar and say we're going to pull miller out to give him some rest here but certainly new york did it with Henri in the first game (laughs) (laughs) certainly you gotta i mean you're gonna have to limit his minutes a little bit if you want to keep him fully fit for the whole season uh, or at least the half season. So yeah, I, it, it's certainly a possibility. I just think that they would, they would lose a lot by not having Miller in there. Yeah. After last week, the performance Miller 
showed us on the pitch. I don't see him coming out, um, even if he's the first sub off the field for Mene, for Maddox. But I think you got to give him the start. Okay, so that's what we think the lineup is going to be like. Prediction. That's prediction time now. Uh, what do you guys see? Remember again, we talked about it earlier at the beginning of the podcast. They didn't do too well their first road game. What do you think about this one against Chivas? Jay? I think we're gonna gonna see some more attacking football. I, I do believe that Robo is gonna come out and he's he's gonna play an entertaining game. I still have some concerns about our back line. I think Betashore wasn't great last game, but he'll come around. He might have been tired. I'm not sold on our center back pairing. There there might be a little. They're getting old. They're getting a little slow. Jordan Harvey. He's Jordan Harvey. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of goals. I think we're going to end up, uh, I'm going to go with a 3-2 Whitecaps victory. Eric? Now, considering we only have one win in nine games at StubHub, you know, this is time to get our second win. Um, I see 2-1 Whitecaps, another go for Miller, and I see Fernandez putting another one in. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys there. I think if they can hold off the guys on the wide areas and be a little bit better in shutting down those things and then the only time they let up was obviously at the end of the game when and people were talking about Usted was shouting for the ball and that's why the center backs didn't even play it or whatever but if they're able to shut them down from the wide areas it seemed like Chivas didn't really offer anything going down the middle so that would be a definite benefit for them if they maybe can even squeeze them a little bit and make them more and so Lava is able to get those balls a little bit faster up the field I think it's a Whitecaps win as, as well I know this This is sounding like we're all jumping on the Whitecaps bandwagon or something like that, but it seems like this is the thing to do, I guess, now. But I, I see it as being, I think it's even going to be more. I think they do win. I think it'll be a 3-1 win for the Whitecaps. Before we sign off, where can we find you guys online? Aaron? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at AACamp81, A-A-C-A-M-P-81. You can also find us on Facebook at AFTN Canada, where we update our stories and podcasts up to the minute. Jay. And I'm at J-A-Y underscore Duke on Twitter. And you can find me at Whitecaps Beat on Twitter and obviously online at Canadian Soccer News and AFTN. So those are our thoughts on the game against Chivas. Remember, it is Sunday, this Sunday upcoming at 4 o'clock. Again, you can catch it on CTV2 on TV, obviously Team 1410 on the radio dial look forward to the game there will be a post game podcast it most likely will not be right away maybe monday maybe tuesday and we'll talk to michael michael will be joining us at that point so once again thanks for joining us enjoy the match football's in good nick it's happy it's good i just don't want to see too many chairmen on television because you know they're not my favorite lot chairman and directors and I feel sorry for them actually one of them once had the effrontery to talk to me about football and I said to him and I didn't mean to upset him you know and I said to him how can you talk to me about something you know now about and he looked at me and I told him to piss off Yeah, but-